I have a cousin that um, when we were both in our late teens, I was talking with her, and she said, I have my list. And I said, what, what do you mean you have your list? And she said, I, I have my list of all of the things that I'm looking for in a husband. And I said, oh. And uh, over the next few years, her list uh, grew and changed and got modified a little bit uh, until just about three, four years later, uh, she found this man and, and she uh, got married to him. And I was talking with her afterwards and she said, you know, I had forgotten about the list. I had forgotten about the list until my sister reminded me. I, I found the man, and then my sister reminded me in, about the list, and she said, does he, he, does he match the list? And she went, oh, no. <laughs> and she went and she got the list, and she was looking through and went, yeah, he checks almost every box. The, the things that she had been looking for, because she had previously articulated them, then when she saw him, even though she had forgotten about the list, she still found what she was looking for. And maybe some of you had that kind of list when you were looking for a spouse, or you have that kind of list while you're looking for a spouse, about the kinds of things that you would like for them to... Maybe you were looking for somebody who's humble. Maybe you're looking for somebody who uh, thinks like you do. Maybe you're looking for someone who thinks not like you do, right? Maybe you're looking for, for somebody who is uh, kind and compassionate or, or funny or something, but... Um, whether you're looking for a spouse, whether you're looking for a friend, we have these ideas of these are the qualities, the characteristics, the things that we are looking for. Well, John the Baptist was also looking for someone. He was watching, waiting for somebody. If you remember, uh, we've been working our way through the book of Matthew, and way back early in the book of Matthew, at, in chapter 3, um, John the Baptist was having his ministry there. And so uh, um, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it said, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John the Baptist had this ministry where he was proclaiming to people out in the wilderness, out in the, the, the desert, uh, where there wasn't really anybody else around. He's out there preaching to people who would come out to hear him, and he's proclaiming to them, you have to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is very near. It's right at hand. And uh, so people began to like come to him and uh, repent and be baptized, and, and some of them were questioning him and going, okay, who are you? Like, what, why are you doing this? And in verse 11 of Matthew chapter 3, he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire." John, John knew that his was a precursory assignment. He was there to prepare the way, but the, 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 true, the true one was to come, right? He was, he was on his way, and so John was going to prepare people. He was saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but he knew the one coming behind was the king going to bring in the kingdom. That's what he knew. 
And so he's anticipating this, and he's watching for this, and he's waiting for this, and he's trying to prepare everybody with the same hope that he has. Look, this is what we're looking for. And listen to the the message that he's uh, proclaiming about this person who will come. He says, I'm going to baptize you with water as you repent of your sins and and prepare for the kingdom of God. But there's somebody coming who's so amazing, who's so awesome, I'm not even fit to untie his sandals. I'm not worthy of that. And he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and he's going to cleanse everything. He's going to come with the winnowing fork in his hand. He's going to clear the the threshing floor. He's going to gather his wheat into the barn and the chaff. He's going to burn up with an unquenchable fire. John just is like laying it down. This guy is going to come, and he's going to come in glory and power, and it's going to rock. And you do not want to be on the wrong side of that one. When the coming one comes, you do not want to be on the wrong side. This was to fulfill the the prophecies in Isaiah. In Isaiah 40, verses 3 and 5, it says, There was a voice cry, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain hill and hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And John is filling that ministry of preparing the way for the Lord. Now, shortly thereafter, John was arrested and put into prison. And in chapter 4, it says, now when Jesus heard, this is verse 12, now when he heard that John had been arrested, Jesus withdrew to Galilee. And then in verse 17, it says, and from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And you might recognize those words because those were the same words that John the Baptist was using. John the Baptist was using those same words, repent, prepare yourselves, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 4, it says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. That was the ministry of Jesus. He was carrying on what John had begun. He was saying, okay, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he was uh, going and, and preaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel, the good news, the hope of the kingdom of heaven, and healing every disease and every affliction. And then he does some teaching and all kinds of healings and stuff. And then at the end of chapter 9, we hear this again. And Jesus went, this is uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And you go, well, Matthew's not very creative. He just took the verses from uh, chapter 4 at the end of chapter 4, right before the Sermon on the Mount, and he stuck them in right again at the end of chapter 9. And what he's doing is he's bookending that section, the section of teachings and healings uh, beginning at Matthew chapter 5 and ending at the end of Matthew chapter 9, right before you get the disciples being sent out on their mission. So you have this bookend of Jesus' mission continuing on what John the Baptist himself had begun, 
And then you have that closed, and then Jesus sends out his disciples at the beginning of chapter 10, and that's what we have just been talking about. The the disciples continuing on Jesus' ministry and John's ministry of proclaiming and healing and uh, reaching all of these people and giving them the good news of the kingdom. And as they begin to do that, John, still in prison, hears this. And he's hearing about all of the things that are happening. And he's going, is it time? And so we get to Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent words by He sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? John says, I'm, I'm hearing things. I'm hearing things about your ministry. And I have been telling people, somebody is going to come. Are you that one? We've been waiting. We've been waiting, and I've been telling people, and I'm waiting in prison, and I'm wondering, are, are you the one who is to come? Or should we continue to wait for somebody else to do the things that I said? It's interesting to me that as you read this, Matthew doesn't leave any question for us as the readers, right? John has questions. John has some doubts. He has some concerns as he's sitting in prison, and he's going, sounds like Jesus is the one. I thought that Jesus was the one, but I want to check and verify that Jesus is the one. But when we read it, it says in verse 2 of Matthew chapter 11, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ he sent word to his disciples. And I just think that's funny because it's not when he heard the words and deeds of Jesus, then he asked, are you the Christ? Matthew says, no, no. When he heard about the things that the Christ, the anointed one, that chosen one, the one that was expected, when he heard the words and actions of the Christ, then he asked, are you the Christ? Matthew wants to make it very clear to us so that there's no confusion for us as the readers on whether or not Jesus is the one. Oh yes, Matthew's saying. Oh yes, Jesus is the one. John's asking for verification, but Jesus is definitely the one that John was waiting for. The answer to his question is yes. Before we even get to Jesus' response, Matthew wants you to know the answer is yes. The one that you're looking for, the one that you're waiting for, the one that you want to come, that's Jesus. He's the Christ. He's the Christ. So now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples, and he said to him, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Now, You remember that John saw the prophecies of Isaiah and was waiting for all of these prophecies to be fulfilled. And so he has some expectations about this Christ. He has some expectations about what's going to happen, and some of those expectations are in uh, chapter 35 of Isaiah. 
The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty grounds springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. He has this expectation that the glory of God is going to come. And when it comes, it says, strengthen the the weak hands and strengthen those feeble, weak knees. Say to those who are anxious and concerned, be strong. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and the recompense of God. He will come and save you. And now John is sitting in prison. John's sitting in prison. Unjustly imprisoned. He's been proclaiming the gospel, the good news that Jesus was going to come, that the Christ was going to come. And he's been thrown into prison, and he's waiting in prison, and he hears this stuff, and he's going, is it time? I'm waiting. I'm I'm not trying to have an anxious heart here, but time for the glory of God to come. Let's come in with the recompense, God. Let's bring in that salvation. Jesus, are, are are you going to do this? Or are we waiting for somebody else? And Jesus answered them. This is verse 4 of Matthew chapter 11. Go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. Have you heard those words before? Isaiah verse 30, uh, chapter 35. Right after the behold your God will come with vengeance and with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Right after that, verse 5 of Matthew chapter 35, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. So John says, are you the one that we were expecting or should there be somebody else coming? And Jesus says, why don't you just go tell John what you're looking at and what you're hearing? Here's here's some of the things that you have noticed. You may have noticed that the blind are receiving their sight. You may have noticed that the lame are beginning to walk, that the lepers are cleansed, and that the deaf hear. You may have noticed some of those things. Why don't you just go tell John what you are seeing? John knows those things. 
Those are the things that he heard about. Those are the things that he's asking Jesus about. Going, are you the one? Because I'm hearing these things and I think you might be the one. And Jesus is going, you're hearing these things? You're, You're hearing these things, right, John? All the evidence, all the evidence is right there for you that I am the one. So you tell yourself, am I the one? All those things that you have seen and heard, yeah, they match with Isaiah chapter 40. Yep, this is the beginning of the coming of the kingdom of God. This is the one you have been waiting for. Jesus is the one we have been waiting for. He is the compassionate healer. He's the one that looks on people with compassion as they are sheep without a shepherd. He has compassion on them and he heals them. And he is the one that we want to come. He's the one that I want to come. As I look around and see uh, the brokenness in this world and the people who are in pain and dealing with suffering, I want somebody to come and compassionately handle those things, heal those people, strengthen them, lift them up. I want that. I want him to come and do that right now. In Isaiah chapter 29, verse 18, it says, In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. We read those words at the beginning of the service, and it's, it's just as true now, right, as it was moments ago, as it was years ago when Jesus was fulfilling these prophecies and the years before that when Isaiah prophesied it, that the ears of the deaf will be unstopped so that they can hear the words of the book, so that they might know the hope that God offers to them through his Christ. And sometimes when I'm dealing with something, I'm tempted to think that God doesn't care about the thing that I'm dealing with. Or I'm, I'm tempted to think that, you know, this is a difficult one. This is a hard one. God does things, God does heal people, and God does do things, but this is a hard one, this one that I'm dealing with, or this one that a friend is dealing with, and and sometimes I begin to wonder if God does care and if God will do something. And when I read this, it reminds me that God does care and God can do things. Because The things that I'm dealing with are not blindness. I'm not paralyzed. And I'm not deaf. These are things that to me are permanent things, right? If you're blind or deaf or unable to walk because you are paralyzed, those are permanent. My struggles are less permanent than that. And if Jesus can come and do these things, 
heal things that are permanent problems, certainly he can deal with mine. Certainly he can deal with my struggles, my ailments, my challenges. He may not always heal, but he will certainly strengthen. Yesterday we had a memorial service for Fred Donovan. And Fred is one of those that um, I have prayed with and for as he struggled. Some of you have known Fred as long as I have and, and know that the first knee surgery that he had was brutal. The recovery from that uh, knee surgery was awful in that he never really recovered from that knee surgery. It got infected. They had to go back in. They had to take out the knee replacement that they had put in there. They had to take it out and put in an antibiotic spacer to try and deal with uh, the infection in his leg. And then they took that out and put a new knee in. And I mean, just it was just back and forth. Eight knee surgeries he had trying to deal with fixing his knees. And those were not the only things that he was dealing with. And I just remember praying with him and praying for him and going, God, do something. Would you make the lame to walk? And if you were to talk with Fred, he would say that God carried him through all of that. All of those afflictions, God carried him through with a hope for what was to come. So when John is saying, are you the one that we are waiting for, or should we expect somebody else? Jesus is the one that we are waiting for. He is the compassionate healer that we have been waiting for. But not just dealing with physical struggles, but even death itself. If you keep going, right? The, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. And so when I said, you know, these, per- these afflictions seem like permanent afflictions to me, this one seems pretty permanent too. And Jesus says, you know what else I've been doing? I I not only undid physical things, but but people who had died, I've raised them up to. And in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19, it says, Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your dew is a dew of light, and the earth will give birth to the dead. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed. For behold, the Lord is coming out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth will disclose the blood shed on it and will no more cover its slain. In that day, the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. And so you have this expectation from John, and he's saying, I am waiting, Jesus. I'm I'm waiting 
I'm waiting, and it sounds like you're the one, but you are, you are doing the first part. And all of these passages that Jesus is referring back to and saying, I'm fulfilling all of these passages, John's going, right, but I'm still in prison. What about the prisoners being set free? What about the justice of God coming? What about that part? Weren't you going to do both of those things? Weren't you going to heal and strengthen the weak and then also bring the judgment and the recompense? Weren't you going to do both of those things? But Jesus says, no, I, I am come. I am the one that you've been waiting for. I am the one who heals Compassionately, I am the one who can raise the dead. I am the one who is proclaiming hope, proclaiming good news to those in need. And the poor, it said, have good news preached to them. Isaiah 61, verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called, called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So, John, I have been doing the healings, I have raised the dead, and I am proclaiming the good news to the poor. Am I the one? Am I the one? And he finishes with this in verse 6. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And you think, when Jesus is listing how, about how he compassionately heals and how he raises the dead and proclaims good news and hope to the poor, why would someone be offended by that? Why would somebody be offended in Jesus' healing and raising the dead and pro proclaiming hope? Maybe it's because he hasn't done all those things for us yet. Okay, yeah, sure, Jesus came. Yeah, sure, he healed some lame people over there and some deaf people over there. He raised some people up from the dead. But what about me, Jesus? You could see John asking that question while sitting in prison. Okay, that's lovely. I'm glad you're doing that for all of them. Uh, want to remind you, Jesus, about this part when you're proclaiming the liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Just want to remind you, I can't ask this question in person. I had to send disciples to talk to you because I'm a little bound in prison. Don't be offended by Jesus if he hasn't brought that temporal relief to you right now. That day is yet coming. That day is yet coming. John wanted to clarify. 
Are you the one that we've been waiting for, or should we continue to wait for somebody else? And Jesus is saying, I'm the one you've been waiting for, but you're going to have to wait for it to be fully done. I'm beginning to bring in the kingdom, but it's not fully done yet. So you're going to have to wait, but don't wait for somebody else. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. We might be offended by Jesus because he hasn't brought that kind of healing for us right now. We might be offended by Jesus because he hasn't brought the justice, vengeance piece yet. Sometimes when we look at the things that people have done to us, the the offenses that we have received from other people, we just go, you know what? God, would you bring an end to that? Would you put a stop to this? Sometimes we hear about the things that are happening to people that we love, and we go, God, would you bring an end to this? Would you make this stop already? How come this continues? How could a loving God who is able to stop it allow this kind of sin to continue? John's sitting in prison, unjustly imprisoned. The the Romans are ruling in Jerusalem and he's going, how can you allow this to continue? If you're the one that we've been waiting for, how can you allow this to continue? Make it stop. We may be offended by Jesus because we see the stuff around us and go, how could a loving God, a Savior of the world, allow this to continue? Jesus said, do I need to recount my evidence? I'm the one you're waiting for. And that day will yet come. I will yet bring my vengeance. I will yet bring my recompense. I will yet deal with all the injustices and sin in the world. That will yet come, but that time is not yet. So as John is waiting in prison, seeing the healings and things and the evidence that Jesus is bringing in the kingdom and waiting for the complete fulfillment of that, as he's waiting in that period as Jesus is proclaiming it but has not yet died on the cross and risen again from the dead, we are now post the cross, but we're waiting for Jesus' return. Don't be offended just because Jesus hasn't returned yet. Don't be offended because Jesus hasn't returned yet. He's coming again. He has already begun to fulfill the prophecies of Isaiah, and he will complete them. But we're going to have to wait. We're not waiting for somebody else. We're just waiting for Jesus to return and finish what he has begun. Because one day, all of those things, just as, uh, just as Isaiah prophesied, one day, all of those things will be done. The day of the vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. 
So we may be offended by Jesus because he hasn't yet done it for us, or we may be offended by Jesus because that day of judgment has not yet come to deal with the sin and injustice that, that we see in the world, or we may be offended by Jesus because we do not want to submit to his holiness. That when he calls us and brings the healing, that we would then submit ourselves to a holy God and that we would follow in his righteousness. And some people just go, uh-uh, no, no. No, Jesus, I want you to strengthen my feeble knees and my weak hands. I want you to cleanse me of, of uh, all of the shame and guilt that I have incurred, but I don't want to submit to all of the things that you require of me. I am offended that you would ask me to do that. Don't be offended by Jesus. Don't be offended by Jesus by setting up un, un, uh, incorrect expectations for him. He, he has not come just to make your life better, more comfortable, more easy. That was not the proclamation of John in chapter 3. The proclamation was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in John's mind, when Jesus comes, it was going to be very swift. And he was going, you have to repent and repent right now. Because when the day of the Lord comes, wham! You don't want to be on the wrong side of justice. So you need to repent right now. And Jesus comes and starts to bring in the healing and the compassion, and he says, but the day is yet coming. And so while you're waiting for that day, do not be offended by me, but repent, for the day of the Lord is coming. And so I want to say that just like my cousin made her list of the things that uh, we're looking, she was looking for in waiting for a spouse and watching for. John had his list. He had the prophecies of Isaiah in his mind and he was waiting and watching for Jesus and going, are you the one that I've been waiting for? And you and I too, we are waiting. We are wanting someone to come and it is Jesus. Jesus, the compassionate healer. Jesus, the one who raises the dead. Jesus, the one who gives us hope by proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And we can rejoice in that today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we do praise you for being the one that we have wanted. Lord, we, we don't uh, even necessarily articulate it and make our list of these are the things that we are looking for. But when we begin to think about the characteristics that you have, your compassion, your humility, your love, your grace, your justice, your healing, your power, your might, 
your infinite wisdom, then, Lord, we recognize that whether we had articulated it before or not, you fulfill all that our hearts desire. You are the one that we have been wanting. And so, Lord, we pray that we would be satisfied in you and not offended by things that we thought that we wanted that you didn't, have not yet fulfilled. And we pray that you would make us to be patient as we wait for your return, at which point you will make all things right. And we praise you for the hopeful expectation that we have in that. In your name, amen.